This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. False information about the coronavirus is creating some serious health risks around the world. A study published in the American Journal of Tropical Medicine and Hygiene estimates about 5,800 people were admitted to hospitals as a result of bogus claims on social media. It also found about 800 people may have died because of misinformation in just the first three months of the year. So we thought we'd run through some of these unfounded claims about the virus with Dr. Gordon Cohen. True or false, COVID-19 can kill. Masks can kill too. All it takes is a mask wearer who inhales freshly exhaled carbon dioxide repeatedly until dizzy, unconscious, or dead. True or false? Now, that would have to be false unless you swallow the mask and choke on it, uh, because they're not airtight. They're not designed to be airtight. And uh, even though you exhale carbon dioxide, it's such a small amount, it's not going to hurt you. Seems like a good assessment. Let's check in with the doctor. The fact of the matter is, if it were true, there'd be tons of dead surgeons because surgeons have been wearing masks forever to do surgery. All right. Well, glad we can clear that one up, Dave. Let's go on to the next claim. Here's Dr. Gordon Cohen again. All right. Cloth masks don't protect anyone because the viral particles are smaller than the holes of the mask. True or false? Ah, I know that one. That's false because... It's not just the viral particles. They're surrounded in droplets. And while the masks aren't uh, dense enough to stop individual particles, as long as they stop the droplets, they're useful. I think you're right. But let's check in again with the doctor anyways. I think a good visual for this is as follows. If you think of a cheesecloth as equivalent to a mask and you think of a bunch of poppy seeds as the viral particles, sure, if you pour dry poppy seeds onto a cheesecloth, the viral particles will go through. But that's not how the virus gets transmitted. We're not shooting little missiles of virus particles out into the environment. Rather, it's wrapped up in moisture. So imagine taking those poppy seeds and mixing them with yogurt and then putting them on top of the cheesecloth. And as you can imagine, the yogurt won't go through or it will go through very, very slowly, but it won't go any distance. And neither will the poppy seeds. Okay. Dr. Cohen also addressed one of the most popular conspiracy theories surrounding the virus, The idea that it was created in a lab by people. The notion that the virus was uh, intentionally developed in a laboratory is absolutely false. There have actually been accidental releases of pathogens from labs that have previously caused uh, significant morbidity and mortality. However, in the current pandemic, multiple pieces of evidence and research really suggest that this virus is of natural origin. And so there's really little evidence to suggest that the virus was manufactured or altered. And I think this is important to understand because we know the disease has become very politicized and we need to remove the politics of it and understand that this is a naturally occurring problem and the virus most likely moved from an animal vector into the human population and theoretically can move back into another animal source as well. All right. So this study that we're referencing, it found that social media platforms, governments and international agencies should do more to limit the spread of misinformation. I've heard the World Health Organization describe this as a infodemic. How is the United States doing in, in fighting all of this, do you think? Well, I, the U.S. can't do much in terms of the government because we have a First Amendment. And the, the social media platforms, Facebook especially, has become more activist about doing this. But, I mean, I recall, Aaron, pre-Facebook, we had email chains. And it was clumsy. But 
when when you deliberately try to suppress information, and no, we know it's false, but when you try to suppress it, it, people who want to spread it for whatever reason seem to redouble their efforts. And one way or another, I mean, we're, we had rumors that raced around the country before social media, and so obviously we're gonna we're gonna have them now. I think what what they're finding is the the real problem is Facebook making these uh, intelligently. Uh, researched recommendations for which Facebook groups you should join. Mm. And so if you're the kind of person that clicks on these rumors, what Facebook then does is proactively say, hey, you might be interested in this, uh, I'm making this up, the coronavirus false rumor network, you know, and right. and actively uh, enhances the chances that these rumors will spread. So they should probably start doing that. But in terms of being able to, to shut off the spread of rumors, uh, I don't think that's even possible. I don't know about you, Dave, but I know of at least a couple of friends who are a little skeptical about how serious the virus is. I have a, a family member or two who think it, I don't want to go as far as saying it's a hoax, but they're just not, you know, they're not buying into the whole severity of this of this virus and, and its seriousness. How do we talk to people who just don't want to accept the facts as they are? Well, I gave up long ago trying to persuade people to believe things they don't want to believe. I think the people don't believe based on facts. They believe what they believe and then find the facts to to support it. So those facts have to change and their experience has to change. Um, I guess it hit home for me when I had two relatives come down with it and describe what it was like. It was uh, it was horrible. They're okay. Uh, and uh, I think you you have to ask, in whose interest is it? to spread a false rumor about a virus and shut the economy down. Is it the government's interest? Well, it doesn't seem to be because the government gets all its money from taxing. And without business, there's without business, without people working, it gets no tax revenue. So it's not in the government's interest to shut it down. It is in, is it in some uh, uh, private company's interest? I don't think so. Is it in Bill Gates' interest to shut down the economy? Um, I don't see any persuasive evidence for that. But uh, people will believe what, what, what they'll believe. And, and, and if they base their conduct on the fact that this is a hoax and go out unmasked and socialize freely and find themselves in the hospital, I guess for some people, that's when you learn the lesson. New outbreaks of COVID-19 are reported at several universities, including at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Students there say they're receiving a mix of in-person and remote learning. You really just have to like stay in your room now. You can't even trust your friends for who they've been around. It's just really scary. Clusters have also been reported at Notre Dame, the University of Oklahoma, and the Naval Academy. And pictures and videos of parties near Iowa State in Ames show students violating guidelines to stop the spread of COVID-19 and endangering classmates and locals. This man lives in Ames. People are also affected outside of the university. People who work in the dining halls, people who are grocery shopping, just the whole community. It's a danger to everyone. So we know in Western Washington, most universities are doing remote learning, but in Spokane, both Gonzaga and Whitworth will be welcoming back thousands of students for in-person learning. Spokane County's health officer, Dr. Bob Lutz, has said infections are inevitable. But both schools say they're setting up contact tracing and testing. Four contact tracers have been hired at Gonzaga. They've got a contract with two local labs to do a test with results in 24 to 48 hours. And Whitworth is actually using this app. Students can do a daily check-in on their phones to report symptoms. Dave, do we think the college experience has to be in person? Well, 
Yes, <laughs> for it to be a college experience. Otherwise, yeah. you could you could take the classes anywhere. I'm worried about the whole dating scene. I mean, that, <laughs> I remember that being such an important part. And now I I see that there are uh, there's a Facebook's app, I think, for people who want to do virtual dates just to test each other out and to see if they, t- first of all, trust each other not to be infected. One of the recommendations is that if you decide to date somebody, the first thing, your first date should be to the testing center to get yourselves tested and uh, and then proceed. The other part, of course, though, is is creating those networks that that many times will stick with you through life. If you are, for example, Gonzaga is now talking about uh, treating your roommate and I guess a, a small pod of people as your family. And they're the ones you can be unmasked with because presumably you will all self-isolate uh, together. But that limits your networking opportunities severely. So um, there will be repercussions to this. I, I hope the in-person thing works and that students can can stand it. I, I know that I spent very little time in the dorm room when I was going to school. Yeah, I was out at some activity, whether it was the Glee Club. I mean, we were, I can't imagine now, Aaron. Mm-hmm. We were like a hundred and a hundred guys were in a confined room singing, mm-hmm. sometimes at the top of their lungs, like twice a week. And and we thought nothing of it. Today, that would be completely prohibited. And yet it was such an important part of the college experience. You had a far different college experience than I had. But I, I want to bring up a, a talking point that I've heard from some Republicans, and, and it's it's related to voting, but I think it also links back to this whole college experience, too. So I'm hearing a lot of the Republican lawmakers in Congress saying if it's safe to protest outside, it's probably safe enough to do in-person voting. Obviously, they're trying to push this notion that we should not do universal mail-in balloting. Shouldn't it be safe enough to allow students to go back to college? Well, it depends on what the environment is. If college is being held outdoors... Yeah, and I, and I think there's certainly. I mean, we used to when when the weather was nice, we'd hold classes outdoors, having nothing to do with the virus, just because people get uh, stir crazy indoors. So that's fine. When it comes to voting, though, I mean, voting is such an important part of governing a country that what's inhibiting people from voting is their own fears, which may be rational, may not be rational. But my point is, if something is keeping you from voting, and we can fix whatever that thing is. We should do it. So for some people who feel safer by uh, voting by mail, especially if you're a senior citizen, right? You're scared to death because for you, uh, a diagnosis could potentially be fatal. Then why not make voting by mail as easy as possible? And, you know, going back to the whole college argument, we do know young people, even though they are less likely to become seriously ill or die from the disease, they can spread it to more vulnerable members of the community, older people, of course. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking as one of those older people, I can control that by deciding where I go shopping, for example. So if there is a place that uh, allows people to go in unmasked, I just just won't go there. I uh, mask up myself. We have a certain group of friends that we, uh, sort of our pod, right, who we know are not infected, and we have a pod of family members who we know are not infected, if there is a new young person, and I saw this happen over the weekend, we were with um, on a in a beach area where people we hadn't seen for a while happened by. It was outdoors, but we still maintained a distance because we understand. And I think most people do by now that anybody you're talking to is talking to you 
spreading the same things they got from whoever else they talked to before. In other words, you don't know where they've been. (laughs) So if you're talking about socializing with someone who you don't know where they've been or who they've socialized with, then you're the one who's going to have to is going to have to be careful either by keeping your distance or finding an N95 mask somewhere and wearing that for your own self-protection and being smart. We will be back tomorrow and every day after with a 10-minute rundown of the daily local news. You can subscribe to this podcast. You can also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.